0: Right now, corporate politicians and corporate media have many people distracted by the actions of a former president. Donald Trump is currently facing an impeachment trial that seems to be a waste of time, considering 47 Republicans already came out and said this is unconstitutional. So for the most part, we know it's not going anywhere, but it's keeping everyone's eyes on their TV screens, on their computer screens, over an issue pertaining to a president who can't be removed from office because he's not in office anymore. And while that's going on, there are very serious questions that need to be asked about our existing current president, Joe Biden. Recently, Joe Biden's made a series of moves which leads many people to fear he may actually be compromised by China. Now, not too long ago, Mike Pompeo, he said that we have been infiltrated by China at every level. There have been a series of arrests of people at universities who are secretly taking money from China. And Joe Biden has been rescinding rules put in place by the Trump administration, which makes it easier for China to infiltrate the United States, notably as it pertains to propaganda. And even more shockingly, Joe Biden rescinded a rule that kept China out of our electrical grid. Such a strange phenomenon that even the press secretary didn't have a good answer for. Why would Joe Biden do this? So a lot of people are concerned. Is Joe Biden compromised by China? Is China Gate a real thing? We know Russia Gate wasn't, and I'm reticent to jump on any n- new conspiracy theory popping up about whether Joe Biden is or isn't compromised because it did the same thing to Donald Trump. However, many people rightly point out that before Joe got elected, there was uh, some shady dealings with his family. Notably, Joe Biden flew his son on government property Air Force Two to China. So that his son could negotiate a private equity deal. And while that deal, as my understanding, did not go through, according to a family confidant, the Biden still did receive millions of dollars. This confidant, his name was Bob Yulinski, said that the Bidens were compromised. So is it possible Joe Biden is nixing these very important rules to stop Chinese infiltration because he is secretly working at their behest? Maybe. But maybe not. I know a lot of people are freaking out about this and they a lot of people definitely want to believe it, especially those who support Trump. Give somebody a reason to hate Biden. A lot of people are going to take it. It's also true that right now. You, the U.S. is still running training drills in the South China Sea, and China has been threatening the U.S. Also, apparently the Biden administration is saying they're not going to ease up on the trade war. So it's not so cut and dry to say that Joe Biden is actually helping China with infiltration or secretly working for them. He may just be blanket repealing Trump's executive orders for some reason. But whether it's intentional or not, it seems like they're still stupid moves that open up the door to Chinese infiltration. To put it simply, whether or not Joe Biden is trying to help them doesn't mean, you know, is, is, is irrelevant because his moves may actually do it. Let's take a look what's going on. We also have a report coming out from the World Health Organization. You see, Trump pulled us out of the World Health Organization. First thing Joe Biden does, one of the first things, first day is he brings us back in. They're claiming that the lab leak hypothesis over COVID is totally fake news. And now the media is coming after Bill Maher over this. So there's some more issues to talk about as it pertains to China and what's going on and what we should be concerned about. So let's first read how Biden has nixed a Trump era rule combating Chinese communist funded propaganda centers. And I'll ask, why would he do that? Well, we'll, Well, we'll read into it, figure it out. Before we get started, Head over to timcast.com and become a member to get access to exclusive podcast segments and full episodes. We've got a full episode about religion and life after death. It's an hour long. We've got episodes, We've got uh, segments about UFOs and alien technology and Elon Musk and Bitcoin. We set up timcast.com because it's very likely that my channels could get banned and we want to have a place set up to where you can go. So where you could uh, you can go to places in the event that happens. And we're doing members only content uh, for you uh, if you do sign up. So if you want to become that safety net, that shield, please go to Timcast.com, But don't forget to like, share, subscribe. And uh, if you want to support the channel, let's read the news. Campus Reform says President Donald Trump tried to enact a policy that would put pressure on American universities to reveal cooperation with China's Confucius Institute. On January 26, Biden quietly nixed the policy. The spokesperson for ICE confirmed to campus reform that the policy was rescinded. They say the Trump administration attempted to enact a policy that would force American universities to reveal cooperation with chapters of the Confucius Institute. President Joe Biden quietly revoked a policy a few days after his inauguration. Axios reported that in the final days of his presidency, Trump enacted a policy that would compel primary, secondary and post-secondary institutions to disclose all contracts and transactions with the Confucius Institute. Under the policy, schools that do not report information would lose certification for the student and exchange visitor program. Records from the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs revealed that Biden nixed the policy on January 26th. A spokesperson for U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement confirmed to campus reform that the policy was rescinded. Seth Cropsey, director of the Center for American Sea Power at the Hudson Institute, told Campus Reform that the policy could be part of the Biden administration recalibrating on Sino-American relations. However, he said hopes that the new administration is not trying to placate China. He expressed hope that the Biden administration is not trying to make overtures that make it sound as though the U.S. is unaware or uninterested in their military buildup, their aggression against neighbors, their militarization of the South China Sea, and their successful efforts to steal intellectual property. In terms of Confucius Institutes, institutes, Cropsey remarked, that it is not normal practice and for good reason namely academic independence and freedom to allow an outside organization to say nothing of a uh, to, uh, uh, to allow an outside organization to say nothing of a country that is a strategic competitor to the United States to be able to choose professors in a program within a university campus reform has reported extensively on the growing influence of the chinese government on american college campuses in august former secretary of state mike pompeo officially declared confucius institutes a foreign mission of the People's Republic of China. Pompeo explained that the Confucius Institute is an entity advancing Beijing's global propaganda and malign influence campaign on U.S. campuses and K-12 classrooms. The organization is funded by the PRC and part of the Chinese Communist Party's global influence and propaganda apparatus. Earlier in the Trump administration, Senator Ted Cruz added a provision to the National Defense Authorization Act that prohibited the funding of Confucius Institute's President Trump signed the act. They say camp, they go on to say campus reform reported that American universities accepted more than 24 million dollars from Chinese Communist Party sources since 2015. Much of this funding was directed toward resources for schools, Confucius Institute chapters. Campus reform reached out to the Department of Homeland Security for more information. The article will be updated accordingly. Why would he do that? It seems particularly strange to me, especially as there have been numerous stories about Harvard professors. Well, I'm sorry, about professors, including Harvard professors or professor who have been arrested essentially for spying for China. The bigger concern I have as well is that, yeah, sure, we may be running drills in the South China Sea and that could be a threat to us. But in the end, it seems like Joe Biden may be too old for this job. Now, far be it from me to claim I know about the top secret classified you know whatever documents and what's really going on but my friends we're in we fo- we're entering fourth and fifth generational warfare we're in it to a certain degree that means information propaganda and manipulation is more powerful than conventional war while the U.S is engaging in military drills in the South China Sea perhaps because the Biden administration is like we want to make sure we show China we're strong we're ignoring the fact that they are winning the war over the hearts and minds of the people. Already, corporate media is is ready to attack anyone who goes after China simply because Trump did. Trump had had been calling out China for a long time. And if you start talking about it, the media will say you're far right and a liar. And we have that story in this this piece from uh, The Daily Beast about Bill Maher, Bill Maher pushes Steve Bannon Wuhan lab COVID conspiracy. Now, this is from just over a week ago. And it's the weirdest thing. You see, Bill Maher hosted Brett, uh, Brett Weinstein and Heather Hying, where they talked about what's called the lab leak hypothesis, something that many people have actually given credence to, notably the Washington Post and the Daily Mail and many other prominent news outlets, whether you like them or not. I, I know I said those two because the left likes WAPO and accuses Daily Mail of being conservative or tabloid or whatever. So I'll give you both. How about that? They've both entertained the possibility. I am not here to say it's true or false. I'm here to point out that when Bill Maher simply talked about it with Brett Weinstein and Heather Hying, who are academics, the media smeared them and played it up like they're pushing this anti-China conspiracy pushed by Steve Bannon, when in fact they were just referring to probably Donald Trump. But that's the craziest thing. If you ask a simple logical question, could COVID have accidentally been released from a lab? Not to say it was man-made, just that lab leak hypothesis. They accuse you of being anti-China and pro-Trump. That's the narrative. Well, I'll, 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 we'll we will read into this, but before we do, I want to show you this story from the Washington Examiner about what Biden is actually doing beyond the propaganda. This is from the, the Examiner and they report. From uh, from January 27th, Biden's order could let China control U.S. electrical grid. What? Why? Why would you do that? Uh, Quinn Hillier writes less than one week into his presidency, Joe Biden has already put U.S. security at greater risk to Chinese and other threats. Biden, who long has been accused by critics of being soft on China, issued a lengthy executive order in which buried amid matters purportedly designed to combat climate change, was an anomalous and potentially dangerous provision. The provision in question addresses nothing reasonably connected to climate change. Instead, it suspends for 90 days a key security measure put in place last May by former President Trump. Biden's suspension of Trump's measure makes not the slightest sense. Trump's executive order 13920 declared a national emergency with respect to the nation's electric grid and prohibited the acquisition or installation of any bulk power electrical equipment, designed, developed, manufactured, or supplied by persons owned by, controlled by, or subject to the jurisdiction or direction of a foreign adversary. In sum, Trump forbade the use of grid equipment that is made in China, Russia, or other hostile nations. Trump's order was a common sense response to real proven threats. Just last year, the Wall Street Journal reported that the United States seized a Chinese-built transformer, Because officials believe, quote, its electronics had been secretly given malicious capabilities, possibly allowing a distant adversary to monitor or even disable it on command. Cybersecurity expert Joseph Weiss reported that officials found electronics that should not have been part of the transformer hardware backdoors that could allow the Chinese to effectively gain control of the transformers without any network forensics being the wiser. We'll read more into this. Joe Biden suspended this rule. That's kind of crazy. There was this big story not that long ago, I mean, several years ago, to be honest, where there were concerns about whether the U.S. military should be using products that were made in China. The fear was that you'd buy a toaster from China and there would be a secret Bluetooth or Wi-Fi antenna in it, and it would be infiltrating and stealing your data, hacking your Internet and then sending that data back to China. Now, I actually covered this story quite extensively and reached out to many cybersecurity experts at the time. Some told me there was a very real fear and they could very easily do it. So we should be very careful about what we get made in China. I mean, you get a computer made in China, they probably will put something on it. Why not? But many told me it was just an excuse to buy American made goods. It was an excuse. It was a boogeyman so that people would be scared of China. And in reality, all these different companies probably not happening. Now, in my personal opinion, I think it probably is. I mean, I've, I've heard conflicting reports from different security experts, but it would make sense. Everything in China is for the, the Communist Party. It doesn't matter what your company is. You can make whatever you want. If they know computers or anything is being sent here, they'll probably start tampering with them. I mean, why wouldn't they? They'll get direct access to our computers. So, of course. So this is very strange. I mean, we're reading that they actually found. Hardware backdoors in Transformers. So Trump said we, we should put a stop to this. Think about it. It was Rachel Maddow talking about Russia Gate years ago, where she told us that in Fargo, in the middle of winter, Russia could shut down the electrical grid, maybe. And it was considered to be unhinged. I heavily criticized her for it. And I understand that industrial control systems can be hacked and it can happen. It's just crazy. You're talking about an act of war, and it was in an effort to smear Trump as some kind of agent of Russia. Now, I'm not going to sit here and claim that Chinagate is real. I just showed you, you know, Joe Biden is running drills in the South China Sea. That is a provocation, to say the least. I think at the very least, though, Biden just doesn't know what he's doing or doesn't care. And this definitely seems like a major vulnerability. The examiner goes on to say, Weiss also reminds us that China was first caught trying to hack into a U.S. grid in California as far back as 2001, that the Russians have been in our U.S. grid since 2014. So give a shout out to Rachel Maddow on that one. Sure. I'm not one to, to claim I think China would disrupt our electrical grid or shut it down, but it is possible. We've seen many Internet outages. And let me explain some very basic principle to you in fourth and fifth generational warfare. There have been many instances where people will go to a website called Down Detector, and you can see a map, a heat map, showing all of where our internet has gone down in in certain circumstances. Often, you'll see this map of the US with red spots all up and down the eastern seaboard. That's where the internet is no longer working. Think about what that means. Now, China could drop a bomb on a city and wipe out a bunch of factories and cripple us economically. Or... They can just slow us down by shutting down our lines of communication. Cyber war is happening. It's been happening for a long time. This, it's legit. Like China, Russia, the US, India, Brazil, attacks are happening all day, every day. If China, Russia, Iran, or any other country implemented a cyber attack, which disabled our internet at a massive level, and it's simple to do if they go after Google's DNS servers, then our economy grinds to a halt, not completely. But it slows down substantially and the race is on. These countries want to grow faster and bigger than us. China's economy is going to eclipse the U.S. very soon. I believe in the next 10 years, they can speed that process up by slowing us down. To put it simply, if we're all racing towards some kind of economic superpower or militaristic superpower position, we can all see the finish line. China disrupting our communication is them throwing a wrench into the spokes of our bike as we're riding and then we get stopped. They pass us by, we pull the wrench out, we start writing again. That's why it's very concerning to see Joe Biden doing things like this. They go on to say, remote computer access may not be the only problem. In an interview with me Tuesday afternoon, Tommy Waller, director of infrastructure security at the Center for Security Policy, and the director of an expert coalition called Secure the Grid, said that the concerns extended beyond remote computer control, quote, we're also worried about sensors and actuators and drives that are installed, even if they are not connected to the Internet. If that hardware installed inside of them is designed at some point to send the wrong readings, it could sabotage the safety and security of that system. It has long been thought, quoting just one illustrative major paper on the subject, that a major power grid collapse might be the single most deadly event in U.S. history, with catastrophic results due to the lack of basic elements necessary to sustain life in dense urban and suburban communities. It thus makes perfect sense for Trump to have issued the directive against involving hostile foreign entities in the grid supply chain. Contrarily, it boggles the mind to see Biden suspend Trump's directive. Granted, Biden's order suspends it only for 90 days while asking the Secretary of Energy to use the time to consider if a replacement order should be issued. Still, even if the policy is to be reviewed for improvements, why suspend it in the meantime? Why leave the grid vulnerable? Why not keep Trump's wise executive order 13920 in place until until and unless the Biden team comes up with something better? Why open the floodgates to grid infrastructure produced by countries hostile to America? Why indeed? Biden's order offers no explanation for suspending Trump's prescription. This part of Biden's new executive order is not just foolhardy, but reckless. Congress should raise a stink about it and Biden should revoke it forthwith. I don't know. I don't have all the answers I can tell you, as I've already stated, that the U.S. is doing these drills, that Joe Biden won't be shutting down this trade war. Trust CNN or not. We do have this article from Politico, Biden's biggest clean energy partner, China. While they say Biden is only seeking to have this reviewed, why suspend it? Indeed, could it be that Joe Biden is actually seeking to open up the country to Chinese energy programs? Perhaps. I mean, Politico says that Biden's biggest clean energy partner is going to be China. And forgive me if I don't believe it, because China is a massive polluter. I mean, the smog is so bad in China. You see these photos where they have this big TV screen that shows the sunrise because people can't see the sunrise because they're breathing in all this smog and it's everywhere. So I'm not necessarily convinced I believe it. Look, I like the idea that we bring China into the fold. We work towards a better future and we curtail this pollution and we prevent war. But so far, all of these efforts seem to do one thing, benefit China and hurt the U.S. Whatever this plan is to maybe normalize China's, uh, you know, economy and politics, it didn't work. You know, the idea was that if we bolster our trade lines with China, sending a lot of our industry over there, they'll have no choice but to become more like us when in fact they just took advantage of us think it's worse every day. Maybe Joe Biden doesn't want to see this country fall to the hands of China. I'm not entirely convinced. On the IRL podcast we had on China Uncensored, two hosts from a YouTube channel where they mentioned that one of the people Joe Biden brought in has repeatedly praised China, especially in some controversial areas. So it is extremely disconcerting. Absolutely is. It's extremely disconcerting to see how the media actually talks about what's going on with any criticism of China. Let me show you the story about Bill Maher, Steve Bannon, and the Wuhan lab. For the Daily Beast, they write, Back in April, Bill Maher went on a hysterical rant against China over the novel coronavirus. The real-time host insisted that COVID-19 be called the Chinese virus because it originated in China, citing the Spanish flu as precedent, which did not come from Spain, unbeknownst to Maher railed against the PC police for refusing to let him call him and others call it the Chinese virus. And even though hate crimes against Asian Asian Americans had risen 100 cases a day at the time and compared China's wet markets where he said the virus originated to nuclear bombs. They say, well, in tonight's edition of his HBO show, Mar welcomed a pair of podcast hosts, the husband and wife duo of Brett Weinstein and Heather Hying to discuss the origins of COVID-19. Weinstein and Hying, for the, for the uninitiated for the uninitiated, are members of the so-called intellectual dark web, who in 2017 both resigned from their posts as biology professors at Evergreen State in protest of a minority appreciation day, that's not true, and have since whined about campus speech and a number of libertarian leaning podcasts. They were forced to resign, I believe, and it was over a demand that white people be excluded from the university and Brett Weinstein said, that's discriminatory and it's going to make things worse. It ultimately led to their ouster. I do not believe they were happy to have been forced out of the university. Get your facts right, Daily Beast. Marr proceeded to forward the conspiracy theory that COVID-19 was man-made and somehow escaped from a lab in Wuhan. Quote, we've heard a lot recently about the fact that maybe the virus did start in a lab, offered Marr. Let's talk about that. The fact that there is this lab, I think it's the only one in the world quite like it, in Wuhan where it started. It would almost be a conspiracy theory to think it didn't start in a lab, right? And that theory was demonized at first. Oh, come on, that's a conspiracy thinking that started in a lab. But certainly a fifty-fifty. Would you say that? "Quote, oh, it's far, it's far uh, more likely than that," replied Weinstein, adding, "It looked to be about ninety percent probability that it originated in a lab." We are all, we are so po- po- politicized and polarized and partisan now as a country that if the wrong guy proposes this to begin proposes to begin with, and for half the country it was the wrong guy. And the rest of the country says, no way, no how. We're going to call that a conspiracy theory. He goes on to say, let's unpack this a bit. The wrong guy Haying is referring to is likely alt-right gadfly Steve Bannon. That's not true. They uh, uh, Heather said, for half the country, it was the wrong guy. She's clearly referring to Donald Trump. Here's what I want to point out. Bill Mark can have his opinions. Uh, Brett and Heather can have their opinions. I don't know whether this came in, from a lab or whatever. I know it's been in the media quite a bit. But what's with the weird animosity, anger towards Bill Maher over his rant against China? Isn't that weird? I certainly think so. I'm not necessarily trying to imply anything, but I do find it very strange that when you criticize China, people in media come out of the woodwork and start, well, getting mad at you. And now we have this story. First, I'll point out this. Biden restores ties to the World Health Organization that were cut by Trump. One of the first things he did once he was inaugurated. The World Health Organization whitewash investigators back Beijing's claim COVID did not leak from a Wuhan lab and call for no further study into that theory. But they will probe China's claim virus was imported on frozen meat. Well, China's been trying to essentially deflect and say that it wasn't necessarily the wet market. Maybe it was frozen meat. In fact, China has even blamed other countries saying maybe it came from there. You know what? It's all propaganda. And to be honest, maybe we won't know for sure. But there are important questions that need to be brought up about what the Biden administration is doing with China, the rules that are being relaxed and why we can't have an honest conversation about a general idea in the video. Uh, in the segment with Bill Maher, they mentioned uh, uh, Brett and Heather mentioned something interesting about a simple hypothesis when Brett mentioned that it was a 90 percent probability. What he was saying is certainly this is a hypothesis that requires testing. But almost immediately, everyone attacked anyone who brought it up. I'll tell you the funniest part. When the lab leak hypothesis first emerged, I saw it in the Washington Post and I was actually surprised. I did a segment on it where I was like, wow, the Washington Post is actually entertaining this idea. And I always take a rather lukewarm stance saying I'm not saying it's true. I'm actually critical of the Washington Post for entertaining something they can't prove without evidence. But sure enough, out of the woodwork comes the tribal establishment left, saying Tim Poole is pushing this fringe conspiracy theory, because what does pushing really mean? That's the game they play. Simply by me mentioning the article in a critical fashion, they'll claim I still pushed the idea that it existed. That to me was weird that I could read mainstream media and it would trigger the establishment in such a way that now. Those who, you know, mainstream media outlets rarely bring it up. To be fair, however, New York, I believe it was New Yorker, ran an article about the lab leak hypothesis. There are a lot of questions that need to be asked in regards to China's involvement in what happened, because even if you don't believe the lab leak hypothesis, I'm not saying you should. It's a hypothesis. It doesn't mean it's fact or anything like that. China does have a lot of responsibility because we know they lied. They lied to the World Health Organization and in turn to in turn to the world. They were buying up special protective equipment around the world. They instructed citizens in foreign countries to buy PPE, personal protective equipment, and send it back to China. They knew they had a problem. And they lied. They absolutely lied. There are some very interesting questions that are brought up. Notably, that Brett Weinstein mentions gain-of-function research. In the article, they want to mention, quote, these two features of the virus, the mutations of the spike protein and its distinct backbone rules out laboratory manipulation as, as a potential origin for SARS-CoV-2, explained Christian Anderson, an associate professor of immunology and microbiology at Scripps Research, who authored a paper debunking the Bannon theory. What I wanted to point out is that, well, I'll, 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 I'll leave the, the, that hypothesis there, but I will point out, Brett Weinstein mentions gain-of-function research. That there have been there, there is this laboratory where they've effectively tried to maximize the damage a virus can cause. Gain-of-function research is essentially they want the virus to gain certain functions, and there are a lot of legitimate questions that are, are that exist in the mainstream. I want to show you this article from Newsweek. I, I have definitely covered this and mentioned this before, but let's let's show it. This is Newsweek.com. Far from a conservative outlet, and they said Dr. Fauci backed controversial Wuhan lab. With US dollars for risky coronavirus research. They say Fauci, an advisor to Trump, this is back in April, mind you, uh, is, is an advisor to Trump and something of an American folk hero. They say, but just last year, the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the organization led by Fauci, funded scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology and other institutions to work on gain of function research on bat coronavirus. In 2019, with the backing of NIAID, the National Institutes of Health committed $3.7 million over six years for research that included some gain-of-function work. The program followed another $3.7 million, five-year project for collecting and studying bat coronaviruses, which ended in 2019, bringing the total to $7.4 million. There's some very serious questions that need to be asked about this. If people really believe it came from a lab, And Dr. Fauci used U.S. dollars to fund much of this research on bat coronaviruses. The implications are horrifying. That's why I'm honestly not entirely convinced it's true. Let me just be real. The idea that Dr. Fauci funded this lab, did research on the exact virus, which is now wreaking havoc and it leaked, is, I don't know, movie-esque. But at the same time, it's actually rather simple. Dr. Fauci and, you know, the Wuhan lab were doing research on bat coronaviruses, making a deadly virus, not the deadliest, and then someone accidentally leaked it. I I suppose the hypothesis is that they were doing research on the virus, research on the virus to potentially put together a vaccine in the event there was an outbreak and then somebody got infected somehow, left, and then other people got infected many people have talked about this theory because the wet market they claimed it emerged from is very very close to i believe it's the it's wuhan's version of the cdc i don't know if if that's the exact lab where the research was being done but it certainly is one heck of a coincidence that dr fauci was involved in this gain-of-function research at the very least i think it's a hypothesis worthy of bringing up simply because the pieces are all there it doesn't mean it's true it doesn't mean we go nuts. It means we just follow the evidence. We ask certain questions. And if the evidence points to a conclusion, then we roll with that conclusion. But in the end, you can't bring it up without being criticized for being, I don't know, anti-China. And China loves playing this game. They know our weaknesses and they exploit them, which is why the first story I brought up today is so, I don't know, alarming. Biden quietly nixes Trump era rule combating Chinese communist funded propaganda centers. That. I find to be very strange. I just find it to be very strange, to be completely honest. They're going to exploit our weaknesses. They're going to push, you know, that Americans are racist, racist against the Chinese, against China. They're going to claim that Trump is bad and all of these things. And they're going to need to use manipulation in order to get it done. Why would Biden be nixing these rules instead of just putting them under review and waiting? It's like they said in the Washington Examiner article. If there's a real concern about Trump's plans, well, then hold on. Let's review them. And then if they're bad, we'll get rid of them or replace them. But in the meantime, why do this? I don't know. I suppose at a partisan level, people on the right think that Joe Biden is absolutely compromised. And I think he is. But whether he's compromised in terms of his family profited from China or he's secretly working for them are very, very different things that I'm not saying. I'm just saying his family made money off China. So I question whether or not he's got, you know, debts to pay. But I suppose we can only wait and see. I think we should be a little bit chill. I mean, the U.S. is still doing these drills. That's very important, mind you. And Joe Biden isn't going to end this trade war, which Trump started. So it's not absolute. But something I think we should be paying much more attention to than this impeachment. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be tonight at 8 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash timcastirl We will be live. Thanks for hanging out. And we will see you all then. Today begins the second impeachment trial for Donald Trump, a man who is no longer the president and cannot be removed from office. Well, so Trump's legal team argues that the impeachment trial is unconstitutional because he's not in office. It actually says the point of impeachment is to remove from office and stop them from holding office again. The Democrat argument is the and stop him from holding office again. We'll see how this actually plays out. But in my opinion, I think it's just dead in the water. We've already seen, I think, 47 Republicans say, we want this shut down now. And I believe they voted to do so. So, you know, they're not going to actually convict Donald Trump for incitement, incitement of an insurrection. Their goal with that article of impeachment is that I believe it's the 14th Amendment that no one can hold office if they've been, you know, uh, incited insurrection or engaged in insurrection. That's the attempt. The problem is, Anybody who listened to what Trump has said that day knows he didn't, and anybody saying he did, they're just lying. They are. We we heard from people like Maxine Waters, get in their faces. That's actually assault. You, you remember this? Maxine Waters was standing outside and said, "If you see anyone from this administration, you get in their faces." De- depending on your jurisdiction, right? If you're in, say, Illinois, I, I can't speak for most other states. If you get into someone's personal space and get in their face. That's called assault battery and is would be physical contact or some kind of attack. That's why in Chicago they say it's assault and battery. Now, Donald Trump said you've got to fight, you know, and and things like that. Now, that could be considered, I guess, to some people, you know, to be fair. But I think it's just political rhetoric. You know, telling people to fight, fight means a lot of things. It doesn't mean physically fight. It could mean figuratively or, or politically. Now, here's the important thing see, Donald Trump did give explicit instructions to his followers. That's right. And this is going to be devastating to the Democrats. The explicit instructions Donald Trump gave were to peacefully march and cheer on some politicians. That's actually what he said we were going to do. He said, we are going to peacefully march and cheer on some politicians. Oh, no, he incited people to attack the Capitol. You know, the best part about this whole impeachment thing is? If you look at the actual timeline, the rioters breached the first barricade while Donald Trump was still speaking at his rally. He incited them with before he even said it. It was the words that came after. OK, whatever. I'm sure he said some stuff before they breached the barricade that people are going to claim was incitement. But the people who were already trying to take the barricades down weren't listening to him speak. So I don't I don't know what you want to call that. The people who were at the actual speech, many of them just left. There were hundreds of thousands of people. This, my friends, is a glorious waste of time. And I got to be honest, I didn't actually care to talk about it. I honestly don't think that many people care that they're, they're wasting everyone's time again. But then I saw this, this wonderful article from CNN. Trump's trial set to rock Washington and echo through the ages. Dude, wow. They love this man. They love this man they can't quit him Donald Trump has been laying low watching the Super Bowl I guess golfing and they're so desperate to just please make daddy Trump come back so we can get those ratings that this is what they write this is insane it's going to be a waste of everyone's time, and we know it. The Republicans already said it's DOA. What do you mean it's going to rock Washington and echo through the ages? No, it isn't. It's going to waste all of our time. We're going to sit around twiddling our thumbs, and then we're going to be like, don't care. I'll tell you what the bigger issue here is, why I do want to talk about this. A, a couple things. Democrats are actually discussing uh, 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 what it was axing election deniers from bills. It's more than that. The Democrats want to expel anybody who objected. Elections don't matter anymore. They removed Marjorie Taylor Greene. CNBC reports GOP rep Marjorie Taylor Greene's donors largely stick with her after House ousts her from her committees. This woman was elected. She said a bunch of dumb stuff in the past. Everybody has. It's an interesting thought I was having, you know, recently. Do we really define people by things they did a long time ago or what they say now? Well, cancel culture would seek to claim that if you said something in the past that defines exactly who you are today, and that's just clearly not true. Marjorie Taylor Greene came out and denounced a lot of the things that she had said and apologized for them. Okay, I can respect that. We're done, right? No, apparently not. They kicked her off her committees. She was elected by her constituents, and she is in Congress. But elections don't matter. Because now they're saying we want to expel people and whoever is in the majority will strip away the right of representation from the areas that vote for him. You you, you see where this is going? I know a lot of people don't want to say the the, the scary words, but uh, we're headed towards uniparty rule. And what happens when the Democrats continue to use their majority power to remove anyone who opposes them? What happens when? These states no longer have representation because the House majority keeps stripping them of their committees, booting them off, or even in a more extreme case, what if they actually do expel people? That's when you'll see angry people. Hey, no taxation without representation, right? And they'll say, oh, but Marjorie Taylor Greene's still in Congress. She can still vote on things. Yeah, but she's booted off her committees. Take a look at this article from CNN Politics. They say Trump's trial set to rock Washington and echo through the ages. The simple question posed by Donald Trump's second impeachment trial that begins Tuesday is whether a president who loses reelection can get away with a violent coup attempt and a desperate bid to stay in power. It's just it's just so incredible. Absolutely. The answer contained in the former commander in chief's likely acquittal. Thank you for inciting a deadly mob assault on the Capitol will echo through generations. <laughs> and may influence the outcome of some uh, some unknowable future test of U.S. democracy. U.S. democracy. Oh, I love when they say that. What does that mean, U.S. democracy? What are you talking about? Democratic uh, institutions for electing representatives? But more contemporary concerns that do not depend on the verdict of the Senate trial, like the consistent cowardice of Republicans who refuse to hold Trump to account, and the effect of the evidence on the American public are also hugely consequential since they will shape the modern political age. Events of the next week will inform the country's capacity to move on from the traumatic presidency and left it, (laughs) okay, that left it as divided as at any time since the Civil War. You, you lunatic, are not making anything better Stephen, for CNN, the Democrats are playing the exact same game. You are moving your piece on the chessboard and complaining the other guy is trying to take your 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 queen or your or your or checkmate your king. What do you think you are doing? They're all doing this. And more importantly, the Democrats are doing it more. They don't seem to recognize this, do they? They are the ones who are inciting. They are the ones who are pushing over and they just won't stop. No matter what happens, no matter how many times people say, okay, they just won't shut up and they keep pushing harder and harder. And people thought that as soon as Joe Biden got elected, it would all go back to normal. No, because the Democrats just won't stop. We can complain the Republicans are feckless and spineless and and they're pathetic losers and all of the above. That's fine. I think Democrats agree with that. But the Democrats are the ones who will not stop. Now they want to impeach the president. He ain't even president anymore former president they want to impeach the former president and he's not even president they want to make sure he never runs again they want to expel from congress anyone who sought to use the constitutional process of objection to defend donald trump or at least to get some airtime to it for his supporters now that they're in the majority they will not stop they will just keep screaming and punching and punching you thought it was going to end well you were wrong so many people voted for Joe Biden and they were ignorant and I feel bad for him. They thought if we just get Joe Biden and things will go back to normal and now it's going to accelerate. I think it was Michael Malice who said they thought that Donald Trump was the river, but he was, in fact, the dam. Something like that. There's a couple of ways to interpret that. That uh, it's Trump supporters were being held back by Trump. That's true. A lot of people feel like with Donald Trump in office. People uh, on the right, the, the right wing populists, felt like they at least had a chance. Now, with Trump out, they're going to be going ham, I suppose. You look at what happened on the six, for instance, right? There's another way to look at it. Trump was also the damn holding back the Democrats in many ways. And it wasn't just Trump. I mean, the Republicans in, in Congress, while they may be spineless and factless, they may sit around and do a whole lot of nothing but complain. They were holding back the Democrats to a certain degree. We can now see with the, the, the latest calls for, for acceleration, the Democrats are going to ramp things up to such a ridiculous degree, it will be worse than anyone uh, realized. Now, I'm not saying the buildings will crumble and people will be running around on fire or anything like that. I'm saying that all of the most annoying things you are complaining about in media and the economy, it's not going to stop. Trump's not even president anymore, and they still won't shut the up. They won't. They just keep going. Think about all those people who thought they'd, you know, it's just it's absolutely hilarious. There's this video. The president, the head of the AFL-CIO, is just left flabbergasted and dumbfounded that Joe Biden is destroying union jobs. Yeah, sorry, bro. You're an elitist moron. And I feel bad for all the people in the union who listened to what you had to say, and you sold them out for what? For Joe Biden, great. Now their jobs are gone. On day one, Biden nuked the Keystone Pipeline. Now, in terms of environmentalism, I can understand the arguments about the Keystone Pipeline. The problem is, what do we to do, send oil now on freighter? Yep, that's what people are going to do. So it's not, an e- there's no easy solution here, but I can tell you this, at the very least, there's something to be said about union workers who were told to support Biden, and he would get your back, and then he just, on day one, destroyed it. This guy goes on to say the trial will begin just a month after a now infamous day when Trump greeted a huge crowd in Washington already primed for revolt by his weeks of false claims of election fraud. Let me tell you, it is not incitement in in, in any, in any legal capacity to tell someone that something is happening, that you believe something is happening, and then to say peacefully march and cheer on some politicians. If I said to you that there were a bunch of, you know, man, I can't stand those people down, you know, fishing illegally. They keep fishing illegally. And I want the police to do something about it. It's about time we go to the police department and clap and cheer for the brave men and women who are going to stop these criminals. And then someone goes down and and attacks the people who are fishing. That's not incitement. That's not telling someone like, let's let's have the, the legal process. Take care of it is literally the opposite of incitement. By arguing that the trial is unconstitutional, politically motivated, and an infringement of his free speech rights, Trump's defense will resurface a core theme of his tenure, blah, blah, blah. We get it. Look, I didn't want to talk about this, but it is the news. And I saw this article that made me just laugh out loud. Rock Washington and echo through the ages. Sure. And I'll tell you what really does freak me out is this. Democrats weigh axing election deniers from bills. Let me show you a tweet I put out. We got this guy, John Oberlin, he says, we're making this too complicated. Anyone who voted to overthrow our election should be kicked out of Congress for violating their oath to uphold the Constitution. No exceptions. It's that simple. And I said, I like this because the objection process is actually in the Constitution. So then everyone who votes to expel those who objected would be voting to kick themselves out. What I mean is. If you are saying that people should be kicked out of Congress for violating their oath to the Constitution, and you vote to kick out people for violating their oath to uphold the Constitution because they enacted a constitutional process, you yourself are now violating the Constitution. So please, there is the door. We'll see you. We'll see you out. But think about where we go. I mentioned this earlier. If we're going to boot every single person we don't like from Congress, from their committees or whatever, then what do you think these local jurisdictions are going to do? We already had John Podesta, top, one of the top-ranking You know, Democrats at the DNC, say that it is better that the West Coast secede from the union than Donald Trump win. We've already seen Time magazine put out an article about some secret cabal. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like I, the, the political division in this country is so psychotic. I, I, I feel like we're all basically standing at the front lines of some kind of major civil conflict, just staring each other down with blind rage at this point. The problem is, even when the Republicans back down and lose, even when Trump supporters try to move on, the Democrats won't stop chasing. You know, I was watching that movie from Dusk Till Dawn. You ever see it? It's a, what is it? Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, George Clooney's in it. And there's this scene where, uh, you know, Harvey Keitel is talking to George Clooney and he says, are you such an effing loser that you can't tell when you've won? And then George Clooney is like, what did you call me? And, he, and then Harvey Keitel's like, I didn't call you anything. I didn't make a statement. I asked a question. Are you such a loser that you can't tell when you've won? I love that scene. It's a brilliant scene. Harvey Keitel, amazing, amazing work. George Clooney was good in that movie too. Movie was a little out there, but the point is the Democrats took it. They should, they, they, they jump in, they jump around and they cheer and they celebrate. You won. Now you want to hold your ground and you want to, I guess, now that now that you have the House, effectively the Senate and the presidency, you have all the cultural institutions. Now is the time when they're supposed to calm down and go, we need unity. We need you. And and they're kind of doing that because they need to convince the more moderate right leaning individuals to just say it's not worth the fight. But what happens when after they win, they get a. S-eating grin and just in their insane rage at running down people and beating the crap out of them, telling them, you aren't allowed to have a representative. Now that we have power, we're going to come for all of you. Truth and reconciliation, retribution, impeachment for the man who's not even president because we hate him and he's evil and he's wrong. People are going to just be backed into a corner. And what happens when they are? They're going to snap. Maybe that's what they really want. They put out this Time Magazine article. Man, was that crazy. You saw it, right? The secret shadow campaign, that's the title of the Time magazine article. They claim they recruited poll workers. Those are some pretty bold and outlandish claims, Time magazine. Why would they say it? Do they want Trump supporters to be pushed into a corner where they have no choice but to to do something to defend themselves with no representation, with rapid demonization, If the onslaught just doesn't stop, the censorship isn't stopping. Nothing is stopping. It's only getting worse. And what about the regular people, the union workers who thought they were going to vote for Biden and everything would go back to normal, just back to the way things were before Trump, not realizing it wasn't Trump who created this, but the media will tell you it is. They'll say, see, now that Trump is out, Trumpism is still here. Trump did not create this animosity, this anger. It's been a long time coming. The only problem is you can now see it bubbling up. And the people who are angry are organizing. Do you call these left-wing progressives who hate the Democrats Trumpism? They believed a lot of the exact same stuff that Trump was preaching back in 2016. No joke. A lot of media was trying to smear Bernie as just like Donald Trump. And he was in many ways. Not personally, like character-wise, but policy-wise, definitely. Bernie then sold out and went full critical race theory, so whatever. But this anger pointed at the elites has been here since 2008 And you can also track the money printing, which is really interesting. After the economic collapse in 08, I think that's when everything really broke. And you could argue you could always reduce it down to some other uh, moment, like maybe when Glass-Steagall was repealed. That's when the 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 motion, you know, things were set in motion that resulted in the collapse of 2008. Sure. But in 2008, when the economy was just imploded, we started printing money like crazy and people snapped. They lost everything. Occupy Wall Street popped up. And then so what did we see? They injected critical race theory and identity politics into Occupy and fractured it. But the anger was still there. They didn't do anything but divide. They did not conquer. You ended up with left and right wing populists. When the right wing populists actually won the presidency, there was sheer panic among the establishment elites, and they were able to convince the left populist that Trump was their enemy through identity politics. But what happens now? Well, right now. Trump's not in power anymore. You got no boogeyman. The Republicans are pathetic and, and weak for the most part. And right wing populists are not really without Trump. Trump was leading that charge. So we're not hearing too much about what Trump supporters are necessarily doing, though there are desperate attempts in the media claiming, oh, tr- Trump Trumpists. This is I could, no joke. There's an article are, are more interested now in, in GameStop and Wall Street. And it's like, yes, Because they were here before Trump. They will be here after Trump. Trump was just the avatar of their anger. And a chance for them to get something done in government. Now that he's gone. The anger remains. It's been there since 2008. Now a lot of it might actually start lining up with the left populists. And you will see a populist attack. This might be why in my opinion. YouTube has started censoring a lot of these progressive channels that challenge Joe Biden. The last thing they want is, you know, I think Jimmy Dore is okay, but it's people like Jimmy Dore. They're leftists. They're socialists in many capacities. I think Jimmy is a socialist. I'm not entirely sure. And but but they're anti-Democrat. They're pro-free speech. They're pro-liberty. They're just opposed to the establishment machine. Having those messages are very, very dangerous for the Democratic elite. When you have leftists who actually have right wing audience members who disagree with them on politics, that's a problem unity could be forming again, and we could see the reemergence of an Occupy Wall Street type phenomenon. We've already had a Republican, a young Republican, announce he wanted to reoccupy Wall Street. It's a little too cold to do it right now, so it didn't go beyond, I think, just one day or so. But there are many on the left and the right who are saying, let's roll. Don't care. If you're targeting Wall Street and the big banks, the financial system, we got to do it. Now, fortunately for the left establishment machine, they... They still have everyone divided on critical race theory and identity and identity politics. It's just absolutely fascinating to me to see how regular Americans are so easily duped by this. Now, they say, but Trump supporters duped people. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm sorry, Trump Trump duped his supporters. And I say, sure, but there's probably a lot of people who didn't care about Trump. I mean, think about this. They want to impeach Trump for incitement of insurrection. But there are a lot of people who clearly didn't care what Trump said and were already trying to breach, already did breach the barricades before Trump even finished speaking. In fact, around halfway through Trump's speech, people were trying to breach the barricades. It was only at around two thirds. Through Trump's speech, they broke through the first uh, through the first barricade. If Donald Trump said peacefully cheer on politicians and a bunch of other people said whatever and then stormed the building, they clearly didn't care what Trump had to say. So they are they are populists first or whatever you want to call it. They, they are Trump supporters. Second is the easiest way to say it. After all that happened. The, the, the Donald Trump forum, the Donald.Win, which is now Patriots.Win, said we're not going to allow people to defy Trump's statements. Trump said, go ho- go home in peace. We can't have this lawlessness. And they said, we support Trump. This is what Trump said. This is what we do. And a lot of people were like, no, no, no. But the, the moderators were like, dude, if you're a, if you're a Trump supporter and Trump says don't do this, don't you want to support the, the guy? A lot of people didn't. Because they were Trump supporters second. And that's the point. The Democrats can't get rid of this. They can only make it worse. These people haven't gone anywhere. Banning them didn't do anything. You want to expel these people? Fine. What do you think happens when people feel like they have no representation? As many of them feel now. They get backed into a corner. I'll tell you what's scary. The story of the killdozer. Take a look at that story. A man who felt wronged by the government with nothing left to lose and backed into his corner, backed into a corner, built this massive machine that people started calling the dozer. It was surrounded by massive blocks of concrete, and he went around destroying buildings. That's what happens when people snap. And now you've got 75 million Trump voters, 74 or so. Not all of them are outraged and freaking out, but a lot of them probably are. And a lot of them who voted for Trump did it not because they are Trump supporters first. They did it because many of them just oppose the Democrats. So take a look at what's happening now with these unions. How would you feel if you're a union worker and your president, the head of the AI not your president, the head of the AFL-CIO, this biggest union, said, "Yeah, yeah, Joe Biden, Joe Biden. He's still he's still got a job. He's still rich. It's the rest of you that are left reeling with no income in a pandemic." Thanks thanks Joe. Now we can have an argument argument about Keystone, its merits, the pros and the cons. The point is these individuals who worked on Keystone clearly support Keystone. They're building it. Now they have no jobs. What are they going to do? Learn to code? Is that the name of the game? Work green jobs. Do repairs. Oh, yes, yes. The job you were skilled at, that you were, you were getting paid to do, has been destroyed. And it was your union that advocated for your own destruction. What do you think people like that do when they're backed into a corner? So I'll tell you this. We need peace. We need calm resourcefulness. And a lot of people have said to me, Tim, it's easy for you to say you have a job. And I get it. But I tell you, man, what happened on the sixth was one of the stupidest things that could have happened because all it did was was hurt all of Trump and uh, Trump supporters and Trump himself. Now, look what they're doing. They won't stop. What you need is tact resource. You need organizing. You need community building. I wouldn't be surprised if what the Democrats are doing is a desperate attempt to try and smash down Trump supporters into a violent reaction, so then they can, they, so they they can then justify expanding national security powers. This is going to be a big, fat waste of time. This impeachment. So I hope you all enjoy it. The next segment is coming up at one p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Today is the beginning of Donald Trump's second impeachment trial, and I'm sure a lot of people don't care. And I'm sure there are a lot of Biden voters who now have regret because they probably thought if we vote for Biden, it'll all go away (laughs) and it won't. Well, now we have a new class of Biden regret voters. And this time we have this this funny story about the the head of the AFL-CIO, this really big union who endorsed Joe Biden, even even though Joe Biden explicitly said that he was going to be ending the Keystone Pipeline and banning drilling on federal lands. Now you've got this interview clip from Axios where Jonathan Swan's asking, you know, the head of the AFL-CIO, you know, how do you feel about this? And the guy's just like, oh, <laughs> yes, that's right. You may be in this union. Maybe you know somebody who is. I'm, I'm rather surprised. I mean, look, a lot of people probably hate Trump. But what's really amazing is the cut off my nose to spite my face kind of attitude of many of these union guys, especially the union boss, who was like, it's going to be a nightmare for everyone. That I'm supposed to represent. Their jobs will be lost to the tune of tens of thousands. But orange man bad. That's great. Take away someone's livelihood and industry. And then tell them to learn the code or do something else. Now this guy, this AFL-CIO guy is desperately trying to justify why (laughs) Joe Biden was right. Well, but Joe Biden promised green jobs. He'll do that. No, he won't. Come on. And even if he did, who's to say that if you worked on constructing a pipeline, you're going to be able to work on any, any one of these green projects. Now, let me stop. You don't have an argument, a discussion about the actual pipeline. That's something else. What I'm talking about is Biden regret. These people who voted for the guy and now are saying they're going, hey, wait a minute. Why did I lose my job? Now, before we get into all of that, I want to point out something very fascinating with Jen Psaki. She is the, you know, the White House press secretary. During the Trump years, we got to see endless bouts between these, I'll do air quotes, journalists who were throwing ridiculous, nonsensical questions at Trump's team. And it was a waste of time. They were always in bad faith. And yet Jim Acosta, who would just fight. And it's so annoying. I don't care. You have this famous moment where Caitlin Collins of CNN takes her mask off as soon as the press secretary leaves, not realizing she's still being filmed. The mask was all for show, apparently. Well, now we have Fox News' Peter Ducey asking a fairly simple question in a professional tone with Jen Psaki, and you get exactly what you'd expect. The tables are turned, my friend. The unprofessional left. When Peter Ducey asked, well, let me show you this story. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki sparred with Fox News White House correspondent Peter Ducey on Monday after he pressed her to address expected job losses stemming from Biden's executive action to cancel the Keystone XL oil pipeline. They say Biden revoked the permit and more than 11,000 Americans are expected to use. uh, It was going to employ more than 11,000. Ducey asked Psaki to comment on when the workers who lost job opportunities due to the executive order could expect to receive a green job as a replacement. Quote, when is it? that the Biden administration is going to let the thousands of fossil fuel industry workers, whether it's pipeline workers or construction workers who are either out of work or will soon be out of work because of executive order. When is it and where is it that they can go for their green jobs? Legitimate and good question. Biden promised this. And according to the head of the AFL-CIO, he said, I believe Biden will follow through. Okay, simple question. So so uh, when, you know, honestly, just, you know, what's your timeline? Do you think you'll have something in the works? Ducey referenced Biden's pledge to create high paying union jobs through investments in green energy infrastructure projects. In response, Saki called on Ducey to present more evidence to back up his question. Quote, well, I'd certainly welcome you to present your data of all the thousands and thousands of people who won't be getting green jobs. Wait, what? (laughs) What do you mean? There's there's 10,000 people or whatever that are out of work. I expected uh, the jobs to immediately vanish. He's asking when you'll be launching a project or when we can expect new green jobs. What, what kind of question is this? Saki said, maybe next time you're here, you can present that. I love it when you have Kaylee McEnany, when you have her as, as press secretary. She has to come with this big binder full of data because they're like, prove it, prove it without evidence, without evidence. And now when Ducey asks a question, when do you plan to have these uh, new jobs available? Like, you know, what will Biden be doing? They say, prove that they won't be. What do you mean prove they won't be? We're waiting for you to actually do it. Right now, there's nothing here. Ducey said, but you said that they would be getting green jobs. So I'm just asking when that happens. (laughs) Ducey cited a recent claim by Laborers International Union of North America that Biden's decision to cancel the pipeline would cause 1,000 union jobs to immediately vanish and eliminate 10,000 more construction jobs. He also noted recent remarks from AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka, a longtime Biden ally who recently told Axios and HBO that he disagreed with the president's decision. I wish he hadn't done that on the first day because the Laborers International is right, Trumka told Axios. It did, and it will cost us jobs in the process. I wish he had paired that more carefully with a thing he did second by saying, here's where we're creating jobs. Oh, shut your mouth, Trumpka! You know that's not going to happen. Okay, let me slow down. It may happen. All right. But it's not going to offset the losses from Keystone. And I am not a big fan of Keystone. I understand that there have been many oil spills. Many people counter by saying, well, when they transport the oil by freight, then you have even more oil spills. So, you know, look, it's a fair point. If you want to have an argument about that, we can have an argument about Keystone and talk about its merits, its pros and its cons. We're talking about whether or not these people's lives will be completely destroyed. The AFL-CIO, I I, I absolutely despise unions, but I love collective bargaining. Let me explain. I've been a member of several unions, some of them kind of meaningless, like I worked at a grocery store. But I was also a member of the transportation union in Chicago. I hated it. It, it, there, There were people who just reaped the benefits of being the union leaders, getting extra money, and then didn't do anything to help anyone. It also made it particularly impossible for me to actually accomplish anything, because everything was union contract, union contract, union contract. You could be doing a good job, and they say, we don't care. You don't get a raise. You don't get time off. It's in the union contract. I don't like that. If it's for you, that's fine. You do it. I quit. That's my thing. I didn't want to be a part of that anymore. I felt like it wasn't fair to people. And I was actually friends with some of the people who ran the union. So I wasn't doing too bad, you know, the the, the, the executive board members and, the you know, et cetera. So I was, I, I was getting, you know, uh, relatively well-connected hookups and stuff like that. But I didn't like the idea that there are people who would like to ask for something. Hey, I did a really good job. I'm working tons of hours. Is there room for growth? No. Union. If you like that, that's awesome. I got no beef. I personally don't. So I left. Hey, more union for you, less for me. I think everyone's happy. When I look at this, it's the exact exact reason why I despise these things, these 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 unions. The AFL-CIO endorsing Joe Biden, selling out his own members for what? The orange man is bad, I suppose. Fine, whatever. Let's read a little bit more. Saki noted that Trumpka also mentioned in the same interview Biden's plan to create more union jobs through green investments. As the president has indicated when he gave his primetime address to talk about the American Rescue Plan, he talked about his plans to also put forward a jobs plan in the weeks or months following, <clears throat> Jen Psaki said. He has every plan to do exactly that. Biden's shutdown of the Keystone Pipeline drew bipartisan criticism in recent weeks, with Republican Senator Ted Cruz of Texas and Democratic Senator John Tester of Montana among those who pointed out the expected job losses. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said he was disappointed by the executive order. So you have Trudeau and Democrats and Republicans saying, bad move Biden. Well, look, I understand there are activists that are rather happy with this. The bigger issue for me is, Do these people who voted for Biden, did they realize they were ending their careers for the most part? Okay, maybe maybe they'll get their jobs. They say the issue marks an early challenge for Biden, who told supporters just before the presidential election that he would be the most pro-union president you've ever seen. Well, the story we have in The Daily Caller, afl CIO head appears uncomfortable in Axios interview about Biden and Keystone XL. I love this photo they chose where it looks like the dude's having a heart attack. But yeah. I watched the interview from Axios. This dude was conflicted. It seems like he just hates what Biden is doing, but he is such a spineless loser that he just goes along with it. Yeah. Well, we all heard about the shadow campaign from Time Magazine, and they say it was an advisor to the, the head, a former advisor to the head of the AFL-CIO who helped organize this mass, uh, uh, what, conspiracy? Is that what Time, Time Magazine called it? Seems ridiculous, but yes, they did. Uh, who organized it. So I wonder if this guy was part of that. And now he's like sitting there watching his industry get gutted. The best part is, look, while this guy is safe because he's the head of the union, he's not going anywhere. It's the little guy who's getting purged. He still does see less union dues. So I'm sure he's still kind of upset about it. But it's not just him. We have the Wyoming governor, Mark Gordon, slamming Biden for devastating executive order banning oil and gas leases. The AFL-CIO guy says basically the same thing. You know, he (laughs) was—this is really funny. I I got to hand it to Jonathan Swan with his interview because, you know, I criticized him when he interviewed Trump because he was doing this thing with his face where he was, like, looking confused and angry all the time. It's like, dude, chill, man. In this interview with the head of the union, he's like, so Biden plans on banning drilling on federal lands. And the guy goes, well, you know, the AFL, the union guy who supported Biden is like, well, I, I, you know, I hope he he looks into it, and we need to have a review of this. And then Swan goes, he pro- he's doing it. He promised to do it. And the union guy's like, dah, ugh, ugh. yep, pulling on his uh, uh, his collar, is sweating. Oh no, I supported this guy. Oh, well, that's what you get, man. I'm not going to complain about it. You voted for it i whatever. I mean, you should be happy with your decision, right? I voted. I voted for Trump for a variety of reasons. He's far from perfect uh, and far from perfect, mind you. But there are a lot of things I really liked. And it is what it is. You know, Joe Biden wins. I'm not going to cry about it. I'm trying to move on with my life. This guy, it's really amazing to see how much he's reeling. I mean, you, you really got to watch the video just to see this dude's like, his face when he's being asked these questions by Swan, because he really is just like, look at, he's like wincing. He's like, n-oh. well, you know, you get what you get, man. When you vote for Donald Trump, Donald Trump did things that a lot of people didn't like, but a lot of his supporters, the overwhelming majority really liked what Trump was doing. And it was because people believed in him that he was fighting back against the establishment, even when he didn't get exactly what he wanted. It wasn't this idea that Trump was selling you out. It was the idea that Trump tried and failed, which is very, very different. When Trump wanted to build the big, beautiful wall from sea to shining sea, and he couldn't do it, his, the Trump supporters didn't say, oh, you've betrayed us. Well, some of them did. Most of them said border security is what we really wanted. Trump will, you know, do what you can do. When Trump couldn't get things done, his supporters believed he was still trying. With Joe Biden, he he straight up told these people he was going to decimate their industry and they voted for him anyway. Well, I can say this from from an environmentalist standpoint. If you really did believe Joe Biden was the right person and you think we must get rid of Keystone even at your own expense to save the environment, well, good for you for standing on principle. And you may be out of a job. You may be destitute. But uh, standing on principle, I respect. Something tells me that these people don't believe that, though, and they probably believe that Keystone was better for the environment because transport by freight results in more oil spills. That's the 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 rebuttal that I've heard. Maybe it's not true. I'm saying you can have that argument somewhere else. But if somebody wants to argue that, by all means, maybe they're staying on principle. So, okay, I'll respect that. I want to jump over to something somewhat related, but still, uh, you know, not not entirely. Fifteen dollar minimum wage, my friends, because we have this report from The Wall Street Journal They say a $15 minimum wage would cut employment, reduce poverty. CBO study finds nonpartisan study says wage increase would cost 1.4 million jobs, but lift 900,000 people above the poverty line. That's amazing. Is it really a nonpartisan study? Because I gotta tell you, that's exactly what conservatives said was going to happen. You'll see these videos from like PragerU, where they'll explain you have three people making $10 an hour. So this this, you know, they're all like, I want to make more money. So a politician comes in and says, we want a fifteen dollar minimum wage. There's still only thirty dollars to go around. So what happens is one person gets fired and then that money is split between the remaining employees to see their wages go up. It is not a solution to the problem. It will only make things worse. It's not necessarily in line with the same story, but it does show that we have research suggesting those who voted for Joe Biden because they want a $15 minimum wage, will likely regret that when a third of them lose their jobs. I mean, a third of them, it's probably a lot more. I mean, 1.4 million people will lose work. That to me is crazy. I saw this uh, meme post on Facebook and it made me laugh. It was a guy who's tweeting. He says, I am an electrical engineer and I build power lines. When I hear that they want to give $15 an hour to a burger flipper, I celebrate and cheer with my burger flipping friends because a rising tide raises all ships. (laughs) I love the meme. I'm like, dude, that guy will celebrate. He'll five. He'll high five the burger flipper. And then the next time he goes into McDonald's, the burger is going to be another dollar or two in cost because the money has to come from somewhere. Like these people seem to think that there's evil businessmen going, I'll keep the wages down for no reason. Certainly, there are companies that do this, but many companies have budgets for how much they can afford to pay their employees. Small businesses have razor thin margins, especially in the burger flipping industry. So this guy shows up one day and he goes, hey, it's my burger buddy. High five. Let me get the double bacon with extra cheese. What do you mean? Ten dollars. It was eight dollars the other day. Ten bucks. Oh, jeez. So then now that his lunch is more expensive, it's put a strain on him. He goes to his boss and says, Look, inflation, man, I need a raise. I can't be making 15 bucks an hour because the burgers cost 10 bucks now. They went up in price. Don't you get it? These people don't understand what they're voting for. They voted for Biden because they want to see a minimum wage increase, but it's not going to actually do anything. Okay, no, 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 I'm sorry. It will lift people out of poverty. Okay. Are you saying that you would sacrifice 1.4 million people to save? Or to benefit 900,000? The people who are living below the poverty line are probably not doing all that well. But how is creating 1.4 million unemployed people with no income the solution when you have 2.1 million people below the poverty line? I'm sorry, 2.3. You have 2.3 million people below the poverty line. We'll raise less than half of them up and fire the rest. This is what they vote for. They do it all the time. To me, it feels like emotional manipulation, right? That what we really see is you've got 2.3 million votes. They're all saying we want better living. I can respect that. Everybody wants better living. Joe Biden comes along and says $15 an hour guaranteed. The 2.3 million people vote for it while a Republican screams in their face, they will fire you. You're going to lose your job. And they go, not me. It'll happen to someone else, but not you're fired. Wait, what? And they're out of a job. It's basically what happens with this Keystone Pipeline thing. You have these people who vote for Biden thinking what he told you he was going to do this. Look. When Joe Biden comes out and says, I will terminate your job and you vote for him, I'm just I go, you know what? You voted for that, man. All right. Don't look at me. I can't do anything for you. When Joe Biden says, I'm going to raise your wages and these poor people vote for it and then lose their jobs. Now you got me mad because these people did not realize, for the most part, that this would destroy their job. Now, they show this picture of this woman loading up some fried chicken. I don't know what it says. A KFC worker in Plano, Texas in October. Thank you for this stock image. I'm sure she's happy with having a job. Maybe she dreams of something bigger and not loading fried chicken into a into an oven. People have ambition. I can respect that. But look, I, I worked pretty crummy jobs before I started doing what I do now about 10 years ago. And even when I started doing this, it was all sacrifice, saving all of the money I made and sleeping on couches until I had enough to invest in myself and start growing and doing something. Now I have a business. Now I employ people. There are a lot of people who would prefer to have any job over no job. Take a look at the people who are in the streets with the uh, newspaper crumpled up and a spritzer bottle. You pull up in your car and they walk up and they spritz your windshield and start wiping newspaper on your windshield. And when this happens to me, I go, oh, geez, they're just making it worse. They're not cleaning, but they're doing it because they're trying to make money. The reality is there is no such thing as a minimum wage. Now, it may exist legally, but let me explain. People who are in the streets, who are wiping down windshields, are willing to do that for nickels, for pennies, for dollars. They may make way less money than someone working at KFC, but wouldn't they rather? Therein lies the big problem. I want people to make more money. I want people to have a base standard of living. I want people to have health care. I want people to keep their jobs. It's not always so easy. Maybe Keystone needed to be shut down. I don't know. The left seems to be outraged by it, like Trudeau and Democrats. So maybe Biden's just nuts. When it comes to people working these jobs at KFC, would they be happier making a dollar an hour spritzing your windshield or making $10 an hour putting fried chicken in an oven? I'd imagine it's putting fried chicken in an oven. There's an interesting debate about this and about you know um sweatshop labor overseas, but these are fairly different, just in the sense that when when Nike sells a shoe for two hundred bucks and it costs ten bucks to make because they're paying people a quarter an hour to make it in a, in, a, in a warehouse in Vietnam, yeah that's very, very different. If the people who are running these big companies, these corporations, are making billions and millions in profit for themselves, then we have a we need to have a conversation about paying these people more money. But you need to understand the cost, the, 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 uh, the budget per restaurant. Just because the CEO of McDonald's makes millions of dollars does not mean that if you, you, you could, you could rate, give everybody a raise. I don't know how many employees McDonald's has, but it's probably in the tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands. There's one thing the left doesn't understand when they say tax the rich. If you taxed all of the wealthiest people in the country, my understanding is that you'd write everyone a check for a 1000 bucks, and then you would have nothing left to tax. It would be over. You'd spend the money, and then everyone would be poor again. It doesn't change anything. Now, my big issues with the ultra-wealthy is their influence on politics and their control of the system and property and things like that, but I digress. The point is, there are important discussions to be made in fast food work, in, in what they call low-skill work. Personally, I would like to see people make 20 Dollars an hour or $30 an hour by serving this food. The challenge is the cost, the the, the the monetary amount is less important than how much society values the labor of the individual. If a burger costs $20 at McDonald's, like I'm talking like not, not, not their dollar menu or if they even have one anymore. I'm talking like you go in there and you're like, I mean, a Big Mac. And it's like, that's 20 bucks. You're going to be like, it's not worth it. The Big Mac's just not that good. I'd rather just go to the store and make my own burger because the labor of the burger flipper isn't worth what you get and you'd rather do it yourself or go to a better restaurant and the restaurant collapses. We have to figure out how we increase the value of the labor at that level, but we might not be able to, especially now that kiosks are coming into the picture. So look, the general theme of the segment as I wrap things up, be careful what you wish for, man, because you will get it. You want to increase the minimum wage? I'm here for you, man. I, I want to see people make more money. I want this lady to have health care. I want her to have a family. I want people to be able to have families and be happy and not have to rely on these crappy jobs. But the solution isn't this. We're now seeing a report. 1.4 million people will become unemployed. You voted for Joe Biden. He took your job away. But you chose that, man. So what else am I supposed to say? It's the regret, I suppose. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. It's a different channel from this one, and I will see you all then.